You're listening to The Real Reading Podcast. I'm Hugh Fort. And I'm Tom Canning, and welcome to episode 131 of the Real Reading Podcast, where we discuss the week's top stories and get really niche about reading. This week, we're discussing everything from dark kitchens um, to a man synonymous with the town. Plus, we chat with Councillor Ashley Pierce about what it's like trying to get elected. Uh, I really enjoyed that conversation. I recorded that yesterday. Um, there is no mention whatsoever. Uh, well, you, you don't even find out who, uh, which party Ashley Pierce is from. It's it's that, uh, it's, you, you, you'll appreciate this, Hugh. It's um, sticking to election rules all the way straight down the middle. Good, good. I was, I was going to say nodding is good for an audio medium. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that is good. I will be there next week. <laughs> Are you looking forward to it? You always enjoy the local elections? It's during the day this week, so oh, this, this year, so it'll be a day... So oh. it will be done during the work hours rather than normally where you have to sit up all night. It's going to be tricky due to COVID restrictions. It's not allowed. normally you're allowed to wander around and mingle and take pictures and stuff like that. But we don't think that's going to happen this time. We're going to be fenced off in a corner somewhere. <laughs> no, that'll be all. <clears throat> so uh, it'll be different. But we'll sure we'll get there exciting times uh, don't forget to give us a like on twitter at real reading pod and you can search real reading podcast group to join us on facebook uh, and now in your endo corner hugh you've got a suspicious package well hey lads i don't really <laughs> want to talk about hugh's suspicious package i don't think i don't it, it's, it's not a particularly funny story but that was a was a moment what, hugh what happened earlier this week you were out at a the scene um, of a uh, suspicious package. What happened? Yeah, um, this is down in Whitley, um, Lulworth Road, I think it's called. Um, a resident person, man living there, went to put his bins out, and by the bins was a package with wires sticking out of it. So, very sensibly, he, there were some council workers doing some work nearby unrelated to this and um he called one of them over to have a look and they both agreed that they should inform the police police turned up uh people were then evacuated from their homes um around that particular area they shut off uh, quite a big area of, of uh, whitley um the, the main road brayford road um and this lower road which is a little side road um and just people, in this bloke's front garden it was in the bin area so where people there's a small little section i guess you'd call it where there's about five or six different bins and it had been left in there um and yeah so families a lot of families were um evacuated from their houses around 11 30 that day um and they were out there till 
nearly five o'clock, four, I think it was roughly the um, the uh, the time that they started lifting the callings and people were able to go home. And these these some of these people were quite elderly, um, and other, there were a lot of kids around, a lot of young kids just having to stand there, bored out of their minds, no doubt, um, waiting. Um, obviously, it's quite serious. The bomb bomb disposal unit was there and took some took the package away and carried out a controlled explosion. Um, police said later on that they, they they didn't think it was a particular risk to uh, to the people living there. Um, what did it look like? Why, why was it was like a parcel, but it had wires sticking out of it. Um, we had a story a few months ago as well. I mean, I'm not saying they're related, but someone left a, an alarm. I think it was an alarm clock with wires and stuff sticking out of it in the bins somewhere. Who was it? Risley, um, just outside Reading. Um, and the same thing happened there. They had to shut off the road and take it away. And um, I'm not saying they're anything to do with each other, but they're quite similar. Um, and yeah, this one, this one, um, you know, they was, it, it was happily it wasn't raining or anything like that. The weather was it was quite warm. Um, but you know, there, there are people. There's some disabled, there are disabled people there. There are kids. Uh, what was really nice is that the head teacher of the Christ the King Church, Christ the King School, which is which was in the the cordon and it had to be evacuated itself. They then came along with some cakes and some water for the people who were sitting around and fed them oh. essentially, because um, I think some of them were pupils at the school and they had to um, they had to uh, get them picked up at short notice because of this. So it caused quite a bit of a um, quite a bit of disruption, and then right at the end, the guy who found it turned up. Um, so we had a chat with him, and he told us his story. Um, but you know, it's 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 pretty serious. You know, um, it's it turned out perhaps that it wasn't an explosive device, but it's still massive disruption for for people living there. And like I say, a lot of them are old, disabled, and families with children, and then ended up just sitting in, sitting around for hours on end. Very uncomfortable. Very as well. Be quite big. frightening, yeah. Quite frightening. Um, there's a real kind of community spirit around that area. There, everyone's helping each other out and um, in reasonable spirits. Um, you know, there, there was a lot of help for the older people and the kids and stuff like that. And uh, a man came out and started with his stereo and started playing music. Um, so, so people were. Street party. Yeah, pretty much. People were getting annoyed towards the end because it was taking so long, and the police police officers were just saying, "Look, this is quite serious. We need to we need to investigate it properly." And I think people understood, but um, there were people who non COVID times, like if there was a local hall or something, then you could have all gone there and had a cup of tea and waited in the warm. But... Yeah, yeah, I'm not sure. Yeah, I'm not sure about that aspect of it. Um, actually, but um, there's I spoke to a mum who had to leave, and she was told just get out. Um, so she had a young child and she needed some stuff for the child which was in the house but she, they were, she wasn't allowed to go in there and she was getting quite agitated about that but I think I spoke to her she understood but um, by the end of it people were getting quite frustrated the kids were starting to you know need need things but yeah it was um, it was an interesting incident yeah I think it's um, obviously a complete load of disruption all over the place I think it's important uh, to just get that message across that you know, just because you might people might be inconvenienced doesn't mean you should think twice about reporting that kind of stuff. Um, if you if you're worried, yeah. I think it's, you see something like that, important. you've got to report it. If it's if it 
God forbid, if it turned out to be a serious, you know, explosive device, and it gone off, then, yeah. then, um, then it could have been incredibly serious. Um, and you know, it's it turned out to be, you know, perhaps not not dangerous, but it's a it seems to be a deliberate act to scare people, hmm. and. Um, I don't know, you know, I, I don't know the circumstances. I don't think anyone's been arrested yet in connection with it, but it is, um, it's a very serious, you know, you, people might think it's a bit of a laugh and stuff like that, but it's very serious. Anything that involves the bomb disposal unit, um, is not, is not a joke really. And, um, it, you know, it's, um, it is, it is serious and these things have to be investigated properly, even if they turn out to be, you know, not the real deal. Talking of innuendo corner, um, here's Rach with a giant screw. So shall we talk about your exciting hydro experience? Well, I might geek out temporarily about Okay. It. Um, so I believe it's a group of people who, like local folk, have all invested in this project to install, I don't know what the term is, to, um, like to install turbines by the weir in Reading to generate energy, sustainable energy. Mm -hmm. um, and the work has been going on there for quite some time, for most of lockdown bills, I think. And um, we just happened to be walking past, coming back from school the other day, and um, they were installing the, here we go, Archimedes screws. Yes, that is the correct name, um, which it was surprisingly fascinating. We stopped and uh, ended up going and watching it. And as they were installing them, they apparently weigh the same as five cars. They're huge. And they, they've had to come over specially from a manufacturer in Holland, because that's the only place that makes them. Um, so we went and stood with all these people who have contributed various sums of cash towards getting this built. Um, yeah, but it's going to be quite a, I think they want to use it as not only to generate energy that is, I believe, is going to be get the, the Lido or the Lido, however you say it, is going to be by, by purchasing the energy um, and then whatever else is left goes into the grid <laughs> all my terminologies i know i know i've learned something um but also as well as um providing energy for the local area um they can also wind the the archimedes screw the opposite direction so when we have times of flooding they can help to use it to control some of the flood water by sending the water the opposite direction up the river very clever. Oh, that's. But I think um, um, in sort of in the future, once it's open properly, which hopefully will be in the next couple of months, they will be sort of taking local schools down there to try and educate them about sustainable energy sources and um, and things. But yeah, it was it was very interesting, and you can see the huge screws in situ in their uh, whatever you call it, the building. <laughs> they're in i'm not really sure uh, but you have, if you go over onto view island you can see them it's quite interesting so, so where where did you view these from rach well you can see it from the main path that goes along 
um, sort of from Reading Bridge back towards uh, Lower Caversham. But um, you can also walk, although you can't get all the way through over the weir at the moment because it's the paths are closed for the works, you can get onto View Island and go and see it from the other side and you get a better view from that side. Um, yeah, and the people who were involved were very enthusiastic about it and were very willing to answer answer our questions and it, yeah, it was it was interesting. Hence me bringing it up. <laughs> right, um, geek first over. I have <laughs> I have geeked out about the river. There we go. I've got very little to add to this except I saw some pictures of it on Facebook this morning and it's absolutely massive. Cheers, guys. Um, shall we we move on? Um, it is oh, it's time for part two already. That's flown by. Um, here's Jeremy with how you can get in touch with us. Get in touch with the team. Email hello at realreadingpodcast.co.uk. Find us on Twitter and Instagram at realreadingpod, and join our Facebook group by searching Real Reading Podcast. Thanks, Jeremy. We're into part two. Um, we've got some headlines for you this week. Um, headline number one, and this is this is a story that's done the rounds on on several several local web, websites. I think it's it's worth getting into because I, I want to I want to sort of see what how you guys feel about this as as people who possibly uh, order takeaways from various different apps and and different restaurants. Um, this is the Reading restaurant on Deliveroo that had forty different names. Um, I believe these are known as uh, these are what's known as dark kitchens, um, where you have more than one um, where we have more than one brand under one roof, uh, and this is a uh, restaurant in Reading that was called it was called uh, Madras Flavors in Kings Road, and it had forty virtual brands listed on delivery websites, including Deliveroo, uh, and I think it had fourteen on Uber Eats. This is a story by local democracy reporter Tevi Markets Markson, um, and this story will therefore appear on a, a number of sites but um this is this isn't entirely uncommon to have um multiple different brands listed on uh listed from the same venue uh on on some of these sites i guess my, my big question is does this bother you guys rach yeah it, well first from the restaurant's perspective i can't imagine how you would manage like, delivery schedules and order it you know, making up the orders if you were watching 40 different branches of the same thing coming in. But I think if I'd ordered a, a meal from one of their brands, and I'm not, I haven't ever, well, not knowingly, if it's 40 different, maybe I have. Um, but if you ordered from one and, and you didn't enjoy it, and you thought, right, well, I'm not going to order from them again. And then you order from one of their others, and that's also not great that it's quite deceptive isn't it i feel like yeah. it's, i'm not sure what the reasoning behind it is i read the article and it said something about sort of trying different different yeah. menus or cuisines or something but i just it just feels a bit deceptive to the consumer to let them think they're ordering from a different place when in fact yeah so this, so this is um, according to the article. This is uh, these are these are virtual brands, and they all come from Flavor Factory, which is a ghost kitchen enabler uh, that provides brands, menus, recipes, and training support for restaurants, offering them the opportunity to run multiple delivery-only virtual restaurant brands from one dark kitchen. Um, 
Flavor Factory Chief Executive Rahul Ithape. I'm presuming, I'm hoping I've pronounced that correctly. He said, when restaurants are struggling and not getting profitable, we help them by empowering them to first understand what is selling in the area and what kind of food or cuisine will sell the most. Um, it's a trial period to assess what cuisine will do well, which is why there were around 40 virtual brands at the Reading restaurant. And then this is reduced to a handful of brands which aren't selling the same stuff. I mean, I don't know. Surely, part of the rest, part of the the joy of either a takeaway or a restaurant is is ordering from somewhere you know. You perhaps might then, if you, if you order it on as a, as a takeaway, you might then visit there in in real life, as and when that's allowed. It it seems that seems to take a little bit of the joy out of um, out of ordering a takeaway online. Um, Hugh, you're our you're our resident sort of food expert, mostly uh -huh. because uh, because your uncle. Uh, <laughs> knows about this thing so this sort of stuff so what what do you make of that is that have, have you knowingly been caught out by something like this not that I, not that i know of no we we tend to stick to the same the ones we like and uh because we're out in the sticks in south Oxfordshire, the ones who are prepared to come here as well um <laughs> the um yeah there's this there's a quote in the story isn't there it says it's disingenuous I think that's the word I'd, I'd use, isn't it? It's yeah. like the, if you look at the list of the brands as well, it's all like, it's mostly slightly different names for Indian Indian restaurants. So I don't know what kind of experimentation is going on if you've got 30-odd different branded Indian restaurants. You, you know, um, but yeah, you, yeah so, but it's like Rachel said, isn't it? It's if you if you order something from somewhere, and it's rubbish and you hate it and the service is really bad and the food's terrible you want to make a note of where that came from and not order it again and if you then find somewhere else unless you are very diligent and realize that it's got the same address as the place you ordered it from before which let's be honest you won't um you're getting the same thing from the same people um mm. who you've already decided are not for you and are not a great option and so um, you, to go through that 40 times <laughs> before you finally realise is it's just not very it's, just, it's not very honest it's, I know I know people are doing it and I know don't, you know don't get me wrong people are struggling usually um, but it takes your role as a consumer away in a lot of respects doesn't it because if you don't like somewhere and you try somewhere else and it's actually just the same people in exactly the same place then um, that is not not really what you want to be doing is it well i'm always quite suspicious of restaurants as well that if i think it's often better to do a few dishes or a a quick menu brilliantly than to try and spread your chefs across 40 different menus yes where, you know i understand if i mean this is an indian restaurant and I understand that like different regions of India will have different cuisine, but 40 sounds a lot. And yeah. How can they possibly excel at all of those? It's like, did, you know, what is it? Um, jack of all trades, master of none. Yeah. It? It's, it's a little bit like, um, it's like, you, like both of you have kind of alluded to there in the, in the quote that is with this story. It's, you know, we, we, we try different cuisines and different brands and stuff. And, and I could almost understand that being like, if, if, if it was curry, if it, if it was a curry menu and a fish and chips menu and a Lebanese menu, and then, you know, the, the, the difference between them was quite significant. As, as you said, Hugh, looking through this list, 
it's all just different names for Indian restaurants, really. And that that might just be my lack of understanding of what some of these words mean. But it, it strikes me that they're all just slightly different names for Indian restaurants, which is which is all which is which is very odd. I think the the other thing that I always find, especially I think especially on some of these apps, is the pictures that are used are clearly stock images, and that that annoys me a lot as well because. You don't really get a when you're when you're looking at menus. It's nice to see the pictures of the food that you're that you're going to be getting. But an awful lot of these just use stock it, and so I've automatically started to to stop using or going to restaurants that tend to use these stock images because I just don't feel like that's a true representation of what I'm actually getting. Um, I don't know. Uh, certainly, with a with a child in the house now, uh, our takeaway. Uh, Sub um, oh, what's the word? Consumption. Consumption. I'll take away consumption has dramatically reduced. Also, now living out in uh, in Burfield and West Berkshire, it's uh, the, the the numbers that come and visit you are much less. They don't come there, do they, Tom? They, they do not. They, come there. they do not. Um, should we move on? We'll move on to the second story. I, th I think we can all agree on that one. That they, you know, there should be some way of flagging up that. Um, that they are kind of of the same brand or from the same kitchen or something like that. Um, this second story, I know that this is a story that all three of us are very, very familiar with. Um, it's the, the White Elephant Island Bar on the Thames in Reading that could become a three-bedroom home. This is the, is, is it called Piper's Island? Is that the name of it? Yes, that's the, the, island. That's the, the address is Piper's Island. Right. The bar is called the Island, I think it's called yeah. the Island Bar. It's had numerous names. Um over the years um i uh i spotted this planning application for it that, that i've been reading about its history um for another piece i've been working on um which may or may not appear in the next few days um the it's it's had so many problems um going right back to 2004 where people living near to it said we are concerned there will be noise issues from this bar if it is given planning permission before it was built. Um, and so I was reading that and then eventually it did get planning permission. And lo and behold, a few years later, it lost its license due to noise, noise complaints. Um, as well as that, there we were, I found some, some stuff we covered at the time again, like to do with licensing, horrific violence, brawls. Um, wow enormous brawls in you know 40 police officers it's quite a long time ago this is this is 10 more than 10 years ago um but it lost its license because of that as well i mean i think 2010 oh, um, i remember two I remember really that. nasty brawls which a lot of people ended up in court for and then i think they were acquitted um uh yeah they were acquitted i read another story about that so the people involved i can't remember the circumstances but it, it didn't it didn't the trial didn't end um or the, the trial they, there was they weren't punished they, they they were cleared um so there are a few circumstances involved over that but it lost its license due to the massive police you know for i think 40 police officers were involved the owner of the bar was, was assaulted um during one of these balls and then um then a few years later uh there were these noise complaints it's also part of it was deemed unusable due to fire safety concerns i think the top floor so that very much limited so combining not being able to use half of it plus having extreme restrictions on noise that was kind of the nail in the coffin for it i think um 
it's had two it was also it was on on sale for two million pounds for about four years as well um i had this ridiculous conversation with this uh, with this owner about about it who said it i saw it on right move and i phoned him up to ask him and he said it had been put on right move for set up for self two million pounds by mistake um and then stayed on there until very very recently and think until this planning application came out um it's now not on there i checked yesterday um and it's just never really been a success it's in such a nice place is um, this all since like whilst the current owner has it the things that you just mentioned yeah he's not involved island it was a pub Way yeah. before 2004, wasn't it? Yeah, so this, mm. sorry, Rachel, this goes back, yeah, 2004 was when I first started to find our coverage of it becoming this bar. So that's before it was built. So I think it was built in about 2006. And the neighbours were definitely concerned about the noise issues. And um, it turns out they were right. Um, and also there's, there was issues with disabled access because you can't get down to it if, unless uh, there's only that access from the bridge, which means you have to go down those concrete stairs. Um, so there's no disabled access and there never was any disabled access. Um, and generally speaking, it despite... It, there's only one way off the island. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, and there was talk about having disabled access by boat, I think, from the other side of the river, but that never happened either. Um, so despite its location where everyone looks at it and thinks this should be really really nice this should be a lovely place to go it's had huge problems um and i spoke to a a guy called bill don who's an expert in licensing runs a, who who works in reading he runs but he owns a bar in reading and he just said it doesn't really matter about the location um you you've, you can have places in the most beautiful venues that if they're not sustainable or fit for purpose um it won't work and one of the complaints from the people at the time it was being built this was, it, was that it was too big and um it would be too noisy and it turned out to be too big and too noisy so um so now they're trying to turn it into a house i think they i don't know if i said but they tried to um turn it into flats twice one was withdrawn and i, I couldn't find the result of the other one uh, other plan but obviously it hasn't been turned into flat so i assume it that that never came to fruition i don't think there's planning planning permission in place for that so so yeah they will now want to convert it into a three-bedroom house um and we'll have to see how that goes down the line for the um for the council um and i guess it's there's a bit of Sorry, I'm talking quite a lot, but there's a bit of um, there's a bit of the after dark about it as well. In that, the people I spoke to were sort of saying, sort of saying, "Oh, it'd be really nice if someone someone got hold of it and turned it into a really nice riverside venue for weddings and stuff like that." Da, 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 da. And yet, over the last ten years, it hasn't been a sustainable business. So there's a bit in relation to like the after dark club. People will say, "Oh, it'd be really nice to have this old fashioned nightclub in Reading," and then no one ever goes to it. Um, so this, this, this licensing guy, Bill was just very pragmatic about it. He was like, it's been there for ages. People don't go to it. Half of it is condemned due to fire risk. Um, 
and there's problems with the noise and, and the disabled access, which have never been sorted out. So why would anyone take that on? And actually, the, the idea of converting it into a house, I don't know the planning ins and outs of it as it stands, the access to it. It's got no garden. It's got no parking. So so that would be potentially an issue of a three-bedroom house. But um, it doesn't seem to have any future as a bar, is what he, he would say. And judging by what I've read this week and learned about this week, it's probably right. It's a big gamble for any, and a lot of money needs spending on it as well. I would yeah. imagine to make it safe. So, and soundproof as well, which is extremely expensive, as they found out in the after dark. So, the problem was, it's so close to housing. Mm. So, I, I couldn't find the ins and outs of the details of how it got planning permission. Um, it's before my time. Um, but there were concerns raised at the time from people living nearby, and those concerns have turned turned out to be spot on. So, whoever, if anyone was to ever take it on and try and make a success of it as a bar, they'd need to they need to uh, to overcome that, which has in the last ten years or so been not possible. Has has any have either of you ever managed to have a drink in there? Yeah. I, I did. I did. There. Yeah. They did delicious pizzas in there for a time. Not, you know, maybe, well, since I had Zachary, because I went with my NCT friends and about maybe four or five years ago, they had yeah. a nice pizza oven. I, I've been there once, I think, many, 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 many years ago, and it was, it was nice. I think this might have been so long ago, it was before, it was when it was in its old, yeah, it's probably about 2002. So before it was rebuilt, I've never been in there in any guise um, <laughs> since that point, which kind of, you know, lived in Reading, worked in Reading for many, many years. We've never gone there in any um, capacity. We did have our work Christmas party in the bar across the road, which is now a <laughs> restaurant as well. That's about the closest I have ever, yes. I've ever been, but we shan't dwell on that one. Karaoke. No, best not. Um, Okay, um, Hugh, you have talked a lot. Um, we've got another one that is possibly going to involve you talking a lot as well. This is um, be quick. Okay. <laughs> um, also, it's probably too late to say. Can you turn the alarm off? Turn the bell off? <laughs> yeah. Oh, can you hear it? Oh, yeah. Definitely. Sorry. It's all right. It's a, it's it's fine. We've we've got this far. Um, you know, uh, nothing if not professional, are we? So, um, this. I never quite know what to make of Reading Elvis and the the sort of the fame that surrounds Reading Elvis because I've he he's I think when when I first became aware of him I, I don't think he was in a great place and I I, I met him um, it was it was years and years ago and I don't I don't think he was in the best best of places and he does seem to be now and he does seem to sort of enjoy the the the. The sort of the local celebrity that he that he has as far as i can tell but i was always a bit kind of, i always feel a bit unsure about how you should sort of talk and think about some of these people who are who are for to, you can characterize as local eccentrics yeah i Would think so fair? yeah he's a um he's a very very nice man yeah he's very very friendly and he's very very helpful and he is um, 
totally happy just to talk to you about about himself and his love for Elvis Presley and what he does and and all that sort of thing. And he's got loads of friends in Reading. Everyone says hello to him. He's totally um, in, engaging and um, just loves kind of interacting with people. You know, it doesn't it doesn't matter if he knows them or not. Really, almost is he? He's just happy to chat, and everyone says hello to him. Um, I don't know what lockdown's been like for him actually, either, but um, the he's a great character, and he's. Um, He's always been around, and um, every you know he's a, he's a sort of very much part of the fabric of, of what Reading is, and um, and everybody everybody's got a real kind of soft spot for him, I think. Yeah, it was it was nice when um, a few years ago he got to turn on the Broad Street Mall Christmas lights, which made a, a, a refreshing change from um, somebody from Coronation Street. People are powering. Yes, it was a, it was a, it was a nice refreshing change. I, I guess so. Hugh, you've you've met him, um, yeah. Rach. You you have you have you met Reading Elvis? Um, no, not to chat to. I think I've probably said hello to him. Yeah. Is this a good time to to point out that uh, young Alfie is <laughs> uh, is on the podcast this week? We didn't introduce him at the start. Um, no, I've said hello to him in passing on the street. I think, but, you know, he likes to show people his his records or whatever um, memorabilia he's brought out with him on that day. But I, I know, I know what you mean, Tom. That um, I think as long as people are just being kind, I think. Yeah. You know. I think there are some people who perhaps would not be and would mock him for his um, for his love of Elvis because he is quite obsessed with him. Yes, he have a lot of stuff, and I think as long as people are talking to him and being friendly and appreciating him for you know just his love of Elvis, then that's absolutely fine. And I think for the most part, that is what happens. I think most people are. Kind and I think I do. I vaguely remember like a little campaign a while ago to try and help him get to Graceland. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Did that ever happen? Or I think so. I'm the story that he he didn't uh, he he's he'd love to go. Yeah. He. There was some sort of campaign. I can't remember how it ended. There was some. Vaguely remember there's some sort of logistical issue, like maybe he didn't have a passport or something like that. Um, I don't know. I, I I do note in his list of favourite Elvis songs, he he hasn't put down "Burning Love," which is surely the greatest. A hunker, hunker, <laughs> burning love. Clearly, your favourite, Tom. Oh, absolutely! A hunker, hunker, burning love. Anyway, that's, oh my uh, god, is that Elvis? Oh no, wait. <laughs> Well, you'll have to watch back on the video. <laughs> um, so yeah, so yeah, everybody, everybody loves Reading Elvis. Um, was he homeless for a little while? No, I don't think so. He's, he lives somewhere in Tarlast, and he's always okay. lived there. Okay, um, oh, in, he goes into in I don't know in non-pandemic times he would be in town most of the time. He's he's, he's very difficult to contact. You have to go find him. Because um, <laughs> how many days were you out looking for him? Well, yeah, that that story that came on the um, 
that's on the website at the moment is um uh came from one of our staff uh bumping into him in town and just grabbing him and saying would you like to do an interview for for us and he said yes and he would he came to the old the old office so Ah, okay. Um, you say bumping it. So you did the interview. I did the interview. Yeah. yeah um, okay. And I found him a very engaging and interesting, uh, interesting fellow. Actually, his love for Elvis is excellent. Great. You know. Andy met no Queen. Mic- that was my, I think that was my favourite quote in the article. Then I read it last night. Um, that the King met the Queen. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, he uh, he was there when she came to open the train station, I believe, and oh. um, standing right at the front with all this with Elvis gear on. <laughs> she she said hello to him. Uh, maybe she's a fan too. Thanks, guys. Uh, that is it for part two. In part three, we will chat to Councillor Ashley Pierce and reveal the week's random question. The Big Interview. Uh, Hi, everyone. Uh, Joining me on the line is Councillor Ashley Pearce. Hello, Ashley. Hello. Good morning. Hope you're well. Um, Very well. Thank you. Very well. Um, You are the standing councillor for Church Ward in Reading. Um, We have local elections coming up on Thursday, the 6th of May, which you are standing in. Indeed. Yeah. So I've been uh, a councillor since 2014. I've been lucky enough to have been uh, elected twice. Uh, And yeah, up up for election again uh, this year. Um, And I think I was listening to the, the, the podcast last week. I when Hugh was talking about it, I think everyone gets to vote. I, I think there's, uh, I think Hugh was right in that we, we, well, we definitely do, do do it in thirds. So a third of the council is up. Um, and I think the only one I'm unsure of is Maple Durham because there's one, uh, there's only one councillor there, but yeah. I think they're up as well. So uh, I think everyone gets uh, to vote for, for a councillor on May the 6th. Everyone obviously that lives in, in Reading. Yes. Okay, so just um, just because of, of uh, the local elections coming up, we're not going to mention anything about your policies. We're not going to talk about anything like that. And you and I have had a, had a quick conversation about that beforehand. The reason yeah. I've got you on is because I, I'm interested in, in what a councillor has to do at this time, whether that's someone who wants to be elected or someone who who uh, who is already a councillor who wants to be re-elected. The first question that springs to mind: um, I I know Ash, you you are married, you have you have two young children. Um, does your does your wife perhaps think? Wouldn't it be nice if he wasn't elected this time? Is that is that something that you discuss? Uh, yeah, probably. To be honest, um, yeah. I mean, my wife's very, very su- supportive, and I think all all partners of, of councillors have to have to be because um, uh, it is a lot of work. And like, like I said, when it, it doesn't matter what what you know colour that the party is. Every, I mean, every candidate, especially obviously this this time of year, are working really hard, and that's you know, slightly different this this year uh, for obvious reasons than the normal. But that's lots of. Uh, traipsing around the, the streets, delivering uh, leaflets and, and you know reminders to vote, um, speaking with with people, uh, even if it's uh, emails and, and social media stuff. So even if you're at you're at home, there's there's quite often you know typing away, d- doing things. Um, so yeah, I, I don't think she would be she would be gutted if I didn't get elected. <laughs> would so, and it's obviously something that you you're sort of driven to be to be involved in. What what would that be like for you if you weren't re-elected? 
Um, it's, it's a disappointment. I think everyone puts puts themselves up for, for you know for for elections because because they want to win. Mm. Um, but I, you know, I'm, I'm a teacher in my my day job. I'm sat in a science room today because it was anyone that was free to do it. <laughs> but um, yeah, I, my, obviously the, my pupils at the moment are, the, the exams have been sort of cancelled as were, but we're doing our own mechanics. And I always say to pupils that you, you know you kind of got to be in it to, to win it. It would be it would be a big dis- disappointment if they didn't get elected. I'm sure it is for every uh, candidate if if they don't, but you've got to put yourself up because it's great if you do get elected and you know same you're more nervous if you're in the FA Cup final I'm sure than if you're playing friendly because there's more on the line and it, it yeah. means it means more more to you than, than, than if not so um it's just sort of a, a risk reward payoff I suppose you, you'd be you know disappointed if you didn't but if you are it's it's, it's great and I said I'm, I've been lucky enough to twice be uh, elected for, for church wards so it's, it's a great feeling when you do. So we we mentioned kind of pounding the streets. What what's that like? Do you do you have to sort of plan a route? Do you do you uh, how how what's the logistics of kind of getting um, out there and talking to people? Yeah, so we we got we think things called voter ID sheets. So we've got um, databases where we we can see uh, it'll break it up into streets, uh, and you can you can knock on those th- those doors. We might have some some history of uh, obviously people uh, political parties do this all the time of canvassing asking you know do you like us do you not like us and then we can sort of put that into a database if, if people ask us to leave them alone we're obviously nice enough to do so some people might want to come back so um we might target particular roads to, to speak with there might be particular issues uh to, to, to go to it's so it's been it's been slightly different this year to, to previous years um we we are able to to, to canvas the, the guidance has said you you can canvas uh, but it's a bit odd and you've, you've obviously got to wear a mask. You've got to keep two metres distance. So you can knock on a door, sort of stand back to the edge of uh, their, their driveway and then speak through a mask. So I, this time I've, I've only done a little bit of in-person uh, canvassing. I've, I've done lots of delivery and, and uh, more. Uh, um, I've done some phone canvassing, which is, has been relatively new for me this year, where you phone people and have a chat. And said, I, I'm, it's, a, it's a bit different, I think, for new candidates uh, I'm lucky enough that lots of people in my ward know me because I've been around for a while. So I, I, I've got various mediums to talk to people, you know, emails and, and, and phone and things. Whereas if, if you're new and a new candidate, I think you're maybe at a slight disadvantage that um, you, you, you can still go and talk to people this year. But it's, it's just been a bit different, I suppose. And so... Like you sort of pick phone canvassing and, and knocking on people's doors is that to me that sounds absolutely terrifying um because first of all obviously you know it's not that you're a cold caller because you know we I'm, I'm sure many people listening to this did jobs in in the past where they were cold calling uh for, you know it's one of those jobs you do as a as a kind of teenager sort of in your 20s that kind of thing and and you know cold calling is difficult on the phone cold calling in person is 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 equally difficult particularly when perhaps um people are, are, are maybe suspicious of, of of people walking around talking about politics and, and stuff like that what's that that feeling like when you go and knock on a door because you know you've said you know perhaps that they're going to be for you or against mm-hmm. you how do you deal with that? How do, what, are, what are the nerves like? Um, it, it used to be a lot worse. I mean, I've been uh, sort of been elected since 2014, but I was working with my my party for a few years before that. So probably about over a decade now, I've been on and off knocking doors. And when you first do it, it is pretty scary. Like I said, a bit, a bit, a bit like standing for election. It is, but you, you realise after a while that, that people are nice, um, even if they've got don't agree, share with your views, your party's views. In you know, must have 
across Reading, mainly in my world, but obviously I help out in other people, in, in, in other councillors in other areas when they're campaigning. I must have knocked from, you know, into four figures of, of doors easily. Uh, and literally a handful might have been anywhere near approaching, you know, rude. They're, they're just not people might say, no, thank you. You know, as I would, I suppose, if, if someone that I disagree with, I, I wouldn't be rude. You would just say, no, no, thank you. You're, I'm going to vote for another party or no, thank you. I haven't got time. Um, and people are they're, they're, they're generally very nice. They don't they don't really um, sort of have a have a go. At you. But the, the nerves have got a lot, a lot better. And I think. Um, I think it's more difficult at this time of, of year. Um, generally, when I when I canvass and door knock, especially in my own ward, I'm asking residents that, for, for issues. Uh, you know, that's our role as councillors to try and fix local issues that, that we can. So I'll, I'll be asking, you know, is there any issues in your area, parking or street lights going out or a planning issue? So then people tend to open up a, a bit more if, if they want to talk to you about the things that affect them. Um, so, yeah, it, it is a bit scary, but it, it gets a lot better, I think. And do does what's going on in in national politics filter down and affect you know what people are asking you? Because obviously there there is a there's there's parties and the parties are the same, but I, I would suspect there's a disconnect between what's going on locally and necessarily. Yeah, I think that's right. Sometimes, but you find that the people that want to talk about the national issues or politics have probably already they know who they vote for and they're, they're going to do it anyway and they just want to you know uh, moan or praise said party for, for whatever reason and I think there is, there is a big difference between you know general elections and, and local elections that it is those local issues that uh, residents want to talk about they want to talk about you know cycle lanes street lights that that kind of thing that affect them on a day-to-day -day basis um, and the huge majority of people realize the, the the parameters of our role and what we can do what we can't do we can't set national laws we can't change uh governments things like that but we we can help those local things on a local level so yeah generally people are very sort of clued up on what we can do and what what we might be able to help with and uh, so sort of as you're walking around you you know you're you're, you're canvassing is it is it just you on your own or have you got you've got someone with you yeah, it tends to be uh, small. So the, the guidelines at the moment is you're uh, for this year in this situation, we're allowed, uh, I think it's six, obviously socially distanced, etc. Uh, but tends to be me and I've got two fellow councillors in my ward and, and two or three mm -hmm. um, very good uh, volunteers. So it would tend to be me, two or three other people, maybe. And uh, so, yes, yeah, so you're, you're sort of you're walking around, you're canvassing. What have you have you ever bumped into your your rival your your arch yeah. rival? What, yeah, what absolutely. I'm imagining some sort of standoff in 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 the street, maybe. <laughs> no, again, it's a bit like when you get to the, the count and they're counting the votes the day after, and uh, obviously you see your your rivals there, and it's all very uh, you know polite and, and cordial. Yeah, I remember a few years ago. It's uh, he's now elected in another ward, but my. Um, my opponent there we were delivering on the same road and <laughs> crossing a road i think it was right. so uh, i can't remember now if we were sort of one of us was chasing the other essentially or we crossed at some point and you just sort of say you know oh hello how's it going type thing and we, you know we all, we all share that i said this it might not share the same views politics but we share the same experience in mm. what we're doing and how busy it is and the interaction with the public so you just sort of you sort of chat about those things like chatting to someone at a bus stop i think <laughs> And uh, what so I suppose just what what are I suppose the 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 big issues that you are being confronted with uh, when you've been speaking to people and just just sort of in general terms, um, yeah. what are what are the big issues you think there are across Reading that people are talking um, about? I, th I think across Reading we've there, there's and this would probably possibly filter nationally, but but um, we, there's something that comes to include active travel. So I think 
I mean, it all links into a lot of it links into transport. So whether that be uh, buses, uh, cycle lanes, uh, getting people more active, and then that links into uh, which I know something you've discussed on the pod before of potholes, and that's yeah. another mode of transport <laughs> in in driving. Um, potholes comes up uh, a lot, yeah. um, and and you you know it's, I suppose that's what politics is, isn't it? Competing views, even if not house, you've got uh, people that there's a limited amount of money to get to go round as ever most things in life and some people might want it spent on cycle lanes because they cycle some people are going to want it on potholes because yeah. they drive and you know it's our job to sort of to sort of balance that 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 thing so um yeah i, I think because they said so they're the things that i think the public realize that we can do mm. uh you know you've got things that will always come up uh, education health that we have a little bit of leeway in but a lot of that is is going to be more down to, to to national issues and then um You've just got the. It, it depends ward by ward, street by street, but you'll you'll have parking issues um, in in areas. Uh, the you know recycling and, and recycling of green waste that's recently come in, that kind of thing. So it, it will it will vary, I think, depending on where we are in the town, quite a lot. And just uh, just sort of just to kind of round things off a little bit, you mentioned Cressingham Road, which obviously there's a there's a famous radio jingle. But do you find yourself humming that as you? Absolutely, yeah. I, I, I put when I was, I was delivering there recently, and I, I put a tweet out on it. This is the place to be heading for me <laughs> <Yes>. to <laughs> deliver my deliver my election literature. Yeah, it's very good that that's in my award, and you know, mentioned as well. One of your other favourites, also with uh, the, the strangest road in Reading, Devonshire yes. Park, so on my patch. So, <laughs> have you have you knocked on any of those doors? Yeah, we've for my part, I've got a couple of members there um, as well. So, uh, yes, it's. It, you know, it, everything you've said is in complete agreement. It's, you know, where you go to it, it's because it's tucked away. It is like yeah. a different world. It's, yeah. it's, it is a very strange road for, for the ward. Um, and and I suppose just 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 as I say, just to just to kind of round off in terms of the in terms of your leaflets and and what goes out. How do you decide which picture you're going to use on there? If you've got a nice big headshot, is it how 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 do you go? Do you go big headshot? Do you go little like just they here? This is me just in the corner. I don't know how uh, does ego come into this? I'm not sure. I I, I don't. I think it's it's more practical of what the, the level of quality photo that we got <laughs> i think you've you know depending on where in the newsletter you might have action shots i mean I, yeah. i've never done this but i know another, i'm sure people have received literature of councillors angrily pointing at a, yeah. a pothole <laughs> um so you've got your action shots or all yeah. you know high-vis jacket cutting a ribbon uh but, but generally generally headshots i've got um one one of them i'm actually wearing a reading shirt in um but it's <laughs> so i'm still but so it's not you know and another one i'm wearing a shirt and tie because i think i was at work so um yeah yeah, more, more practicality than ego, I think. <laughs> um, Ashley Pierce, thank you very much. Uh, I think I'm allowed to say good luck in the in the elections. Um, one one way, either either good luck to your wife or or good luck uh, to, to yourself, uh, one way or the other. Um, thank you very much for your time. Thank you. The big interview. Hey everyone, we're back. Um, that was our chat with Councillor Ashley Pierce. Um, we covered Cressingham Road off Shinfield Road. Uh, we dis- we covered uh, our favourite street in uh, in Church Ward Hugh. Um, oh yeah, that one with the um, 
those funny houses with the uh, pillars. Yes, I talked about I talked about it to him yesterday. Devonshire Place. Place. Yeah. Yes, I talked I talked to Ashley about it yesterday, and I'd already forgotten the name of it today. Um, so yeah, so there's there's some, some good bits and pieces in there. Um, and I I I thought uh, it was an interesting chat. We we just we talked about. Um, well, everybody will have already listened to this, but we just we just dis- discussed, you know, what it was like for an, for a councillor. Because I think it'd be terrifying going and knocking on doors and saying, "Hi, I'm your local councillor. Will you vote for me?" Hugh, I know you've done a lot of door knocking of late. Terrifying, isn't it? Um, I don't mind it. Um, <laughs> it's it, it's okay. Occasion, you do have it in the back of your mind that someone's going to be horrible to you. Um, but it's very rarely the case. People are most people are polite. Um, yeah. Obviously, I'm not a politician, so I don't meet. I'm not encountering people who have a completely different view of the world yeah. than I have, and try to persuade them otherwise. Um, but most most people are all right, I think. <laughs> cool. Uh, okay, it's random question time. The random question. Okay, guys, it's random question time. Um, this week's random question. We are on borrowed time with baby Alfie, so we'll need to get through this sharpish. Random question. If you could be best friends with a celebrity, who would it be? Not discounting all the celebrities you're already friends with, Hugh. <laughs> uh, oh, The Rock, probably. I think being friends oh. with The Rock would be very cool. Apart from the fact he might make me get up at five o'clock in the morning to lift enormous pieces of metal, which I don't wouldn't really <laughs> want to do. But um, if I could be friends with The Rock and not have to live by his ridiculous regime, then um, I'd be quite happy with that. Um, and I can't think of anyone else, so I'll hand over to Rachel now and maybe, maybe come back. Oh, have we got any restrictions? Are we talking any celebrity? Any Any celebrity whatsoever. Okay. Oh, right. This is quite on the spot. But I'm going to go. I'm going to go with. I'm having two, seeing as it's just total fantasy. So Hugh, you can add Hulk Hogan to yours as well if you want. Um, I'm going to go with Attenborough for a bit of uh, intellectual conversation and just a general granddad style loveliness. Um, but I would quite like to hang out with uh, Freddie Mercury. Yeah. Have a little cheeky night out. <laughs> I think you'd need a couple of days to recover. Oh, I know. Yeah, I'd probably only manage it once and then I'd yeah. be exhausted for weeks. But, um, yeah, that's the band that I, I, you know, when you get asked the question, what would you, if you could see any band, past or present, who would it be? And that's the one. My one, Queen, yep. I think, um, I think I've, I've mentioned this guy before, but... Um, I would like to be mates with Roy from Scouting for Girls. Um, oh, you love Scouting I think for Girls. I think he's the I think he's one of the most underrated songwriters this country has produced in recent years. He's uh, he's, he's absolutely fabulous. I've been listening through to some of the back catalogue lately, and uh, some of it's amazing. Opportunity when they played the Hexagon those years ago. Well, have, yeah, you could have waited at stage door and. <laughs> Roy! Roy! <laughs> yeah. 
fought through the crowds and <laughs> right who wants to know something very exciting I'm, I'm introducing an additional news item right at the end of the podcast which is highly controversial go on i'm intrigued sub eight nine yep awesome sub eight nine yeah can you not guess oh my god what it you froze. I don't. I don't know. I have no idea what you've what just said to. Thing was you fro- all I can hear is sub eight nine. Sub eight nine. Sub eight nine. nine. Can you hear me? Yes. Sub eight nine. October. Scouting for girls. Fact. And I think if I'm right, Rachel, it might be a very special day in October as well. Thirty first. Tenth. Oh, I was going to say, is it your birthday? Or- oh. It's the 31st, I think, which I think oh, is Halloween. Yeah. Wow. You might wow. be able to get into a crowd. Oh. Can you imagine? I think I'd freak out. <laughs> <laughs> You're all too close. Me. Where's your mask? Yeah. <laughs> we could go in, um, like, Halloween fancy dress and just have, I could have, like, a Frankenstein mask or something. Double up, yeah. Screen mask that'll keep keep the Germans away. Would right. Uh, here's Jeremy with how you can get in touch with us. Get in touch with the team. Email hello at realreadingpodcast.co.uk. Find us on Twitter and Instagram at realreadingpod, and join our Facebook group by searching Real Reading Podcast. Thanks, Jeremy. Um, that's it for this week. We'll be back next week with plenty more. Well done, little baby Alfie. You've oh, uh, you've got us through. Well, he's, he's done well. He's done very well. He's been good well, as gold. Yes. And natural. You are. You're going to be joining us properly, aren't you, soon? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Um, if you have a moment, we'd love some ratings and reviews uh, via various outlets, your favourite podcast app. And we'll be back next week for more Reddingy podcast goodness. Bye. You're listening to the Real Reading Podcast. <laughs>